Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Good morning. Good morning. Stand with me, uh, if you would, please, and thank you all so much for uh, your love, for being here and sharing. I feel like Mickey Mantle sometimes. If I'd known I was going to live this long, I'd have taken better care of my body. You know, uh, back in the day, didn't think about it much. All right. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today, I'll be taught the Word of God. And I boldly confess, my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I'll never be the same again. Never, 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 in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. For those of you who don't know who that precious Samoan was, that's our office staff administrator, and Suli, Suliana, she is, no, she's just incredible. You can give her a hand. Uh, and uh, precious, what we do without her and don't want to find out been doing a series just began on uh, the judgment uh, that, that so many people in the world today are measuring the world crises, circumstances, and situations as, uh, you know, many perceive the judgment of God and, and so on and so forth. The reality is that this is the consequence of fallen humanity. God's not issuing judgment on us uh, if anything, we would be bringing it on ourselves for the decisions that we, we make or don't make. And so I want to help people through this because this time of year, a lot of people get very introspective, begin to question if there is really a God. If there is, what's he like? And, uh, and can he possibly love me? And could he ever forgive me for the things that I've done? Those are questions that oftentimes come up this time of year. We, we have a tendency to probably think more deeply than usual because we've, we're facing all kinds of situations, inflation at record rates, how are we going to fund Christmas, what are the kids and grandkids going to be like, so many questions. And uh, I just kind of want to bring some relief to that because the reality is God's got this and God's got us. And... Um, so I, I try to be very optimistic. Sometimes people get mad at me because they think I'm ignoring what's going on. I'm really not. I've just decided as long as I live, I want to live happy. I want to live at peace. I want to live filled with joy. And I know that's a decision that I have to make. Uh, whether the world's economy is great or whether it's bad, God's still God. And he said in the midst of great crises, troubles that we face, that he'd meet every need we have according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So we have the word of God to stand on. And, and so in the world that is, rather than I believe growing together, is, is actually kind of growing apart because we have divided it into vaccine, no vaccine, mask, no mask, all the distance, no distance. And in all of this, as much as I respect everyone's decision, uh, the thing that saddens me is it's made a lot of people angry. And uh, I think that the greatest thing about freedom is that each of us get to choose. That, to me, is the beauty of freedom. And, uh, you know, you're free to go to church, but some people don't. So do you get mad at the people who don't go? 
Of course not. You love the people who don't go just like you do the people who do. And so we have to learn that there are a lot of opinions and convictions that differ. But the greatest of all things is to love people, to love one another. And, and that is, to me, the greatest goal on earth is to demonstrate that love the way Jesus did in the face of false accusations, ultimately being crucified. And, uh, you know, if, if you could have last words and you knew you were going to die, there are no greater last words than, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. So to me, we live for that day to where we can look at everybody and anybody, regardless of how you might have been treated or we might have been treated, that we're able to forgive. Uh, forgiveness really doesn't have to have an effect on the other person, but it has an effect on us. So if, if I forgive you, whether you receive it or not, whether it affects the way you think, it saves me, it protects me, it affects me. And so I love to see people forgive not for my sake, but for their own sake. You know, it's uh, unforgiveness is like drinking battery acid and expecting the other person to die from it. And it so with that said, if you would, turn your Bibles to uh, Galatians 5, and then I'll go to Galatians 6 in a moment. And I don't know how many of you have ever wondered, you know, like we, I've done more funerals than I can count, and I've gone to more funerals than I would like. And typically at funerals, we have a tendency, depending on where you go and who it is, to talk about how good that person was that died. They were a good person. Well, what did they know God? They were a good person. I'm going to burst your bubble today and tell you there will be some mean people in heaven and some good ones that didn't go. That will confuse you. But the Bible says that all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It doesn't say all the good people, all the nice people. No, there are going to be some people that you're going to pray outside the gate while they're entering going, Jesus, don't let them be like they were on earth. You know, they just mean. But, and it's confusing because we want to be good, and being good is a good thing. But being good is not what saves you. God is good. God was good. God is good. God will be good. When he sent his son, he took our judgment upon him. When we receive him, we also receive the forgiveness that came with him being judged, crucified, dead, buried, and resurrected. And so it's a very hard thing if you grew up in a traditional church like I did to ever believe that you would go to heaven just because of the goodness and grace of God. I just never thought I'd be good enough. And you know what? I was right. And I'm still not. And I'm okay with that. Not that I'm not good, but that I know that he is good and that it's his goodness that brings me to repentance, his kindness and his goodness. And so when we think about judgment, and the world has talked a lot about what that's going to look like, and maybe this is a weird time of year to share this, but, man, it's just been on my heart because I hurt for people that have a hard time believing God could love you, and God does love you. And he's not looking at, at what you've done. He's looking at what he did to take care of all that you would ever do. And so when we come to Jesus, we walk into a forgiveness, I mean a grace, a mercy. It's unmerited favor, not something we deserve. But when we believe, it changes everything. So in Galatians 5, 1, it says, Christ has set us free to live a free life. This is out of the Message Bible. So take your stand. Never again let anyone put a harness of slavery on you. Now, this is not talking about a physical slavery necessarily, but many people are slaves in their soul. 
You're a slave to somebody's opinion. You're a slave to the GPA or the grades that you earned in school. You're, you're a slave to your financial level. You're a slave to so many things that without realizing it, you may not be physically enslaved, but mentally and emotionally, many people are still enslaved by what they heard growing up. You know, this week I had a challenge, and I, I don't know if this person's watching, and I'm not wanting to be mean, but make a point. I got a really mean message on Messenger. And I tell you, it took me about a day to, to really, I don't usually get hit very hard with them. And how many of you know that criticism comes with my profession? So <laughs> if you don't want to be criticized, certainly don't be a pastor. Uh, people scrutinize, and I'm not saying that to, for self-pity. I'm just saying it is what it is. So, but, but, but I had to think about it, and I actually read it, and, and I, I, you know, I'm sure that maybe it came out of emotion. It wasn't definitely not prophetic it, 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 by any stretch, but it was just, it was just mean, okay? So, you know, I, I, if my mother used to always say, if you don't have anything good to say, don't say it at all. I have a real hard time with that counsel. Because um, <laughs> I've always got something to say, and trust me, it ain't always good. You know what I'm saying? It's an opinion about somebody or about something, and I, I really just really fight to, to, to make sure that the words coming out of my mouth would be edifying. You say, yeah, but somebody's got to tell the truth. Well, if you're happy about it, that person's probably not you. Because <laughs> sometimes I'd rather say I have to tell somebody the truth about something but you can say it in a redemptive way. I don't think you meant that. I don't, I don't believe that's what you meant. I don't believe you meant to hurt me. I don't believe that. You see what I'm saying? It changes everything. But we all are responsible. We are called to be self-governing. We're not called to have the government. See, right now the government thinks we're dumb and that they're smarter, and so they got to tell us what to do. And, again, I'm not trying to get political, but I am a little irritated. And so, you know, to me... We're not trusted with, you know, if I want to die, I ought to be able to die. So if I really enjoy jumping out of airplanes and uh, trusting a parachute, which to me is still one of the most stupid things ever, it's like, you know, I mean, it still makes no sense to me. You know what I'm saying? Now, I'm not running someone down who loves it because I appreciate it. I applaud it. But if I want to do that, I should be able to do that. If I want to rock climb, I should be able to rock climb. But you might die. I'm absolutely going to die someday. Some people are going to be happy about that. <laughs> oh, yeah, there are people. Trust me. No, no, it, it really is. And they'll be happy when you do, too. Um, so, I mean, <laughs> it's all that same group. And so you say, so well, what do you do? Well, I just decided that some people's opinion may be accurate. Most people's opinion of you are not accurate. Maybe they just they don't know you. You, don't, you know, if you don't really know somebody... Your opinion really is based on maybe 1% to 2%. You might know their name. You don't like how they look. They might have a unibrow. <laughs> maybe you're opposed to unibrows, and you're part of the unibrow hate club. Uh, you know, sometimes people just have that, that gift of looking that way. I mean, you know, who knows? So, anyway, uh, I am emphatic about this. The moment any one of you submits to, and back in the day, circumcision identified them, and so, or any other rule-keeping system at that same moment, Christ's hard-won gift of freedom is squandered. I repeat my warning, the person who accepts the way, accepts the way of circumcision trades all the advantages 
of the free life in Christ for the obligations of the slave life of the law. So, I'm not suggesting that we just go do what we want. How many of you know when you love someone, you don't want to hurt that someone that you love? So, when you love Jesus, you really have a desire, maybe without realizing it, to do good, to be good, because he was, is, and will always be good, and he is good. The challenge is separating our behavioral sin from our original sin and realizing that everybody that's watching, everybody that's sitting in a chair right now has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But I know how this works in denominationalism. Some sins are worse than others. Now, that may be true on earth, but forever and ever it is not true. Sin is sin. In the eyes of God, sin is sin. Now, I understand that there have to be consequences and different levels of consequences. However, we see things differently. Now, if someone is a danger to society or a danger to you and they've committed crimes against you, they certainly ought to be put in a place to protect them and protect you. I'm not minimizing that. At the same time, they're still God's children and you're still called to love them. You see what I'm saying? And so I know that sometimes you say, well, that's hard to do because it affected my family. I get that. But every day, the decisions that we make, the sins that we commit, if God wasn't God, could have an effect on him. But he's bigger than the sin. So I want us to get bigger than that in how we think and how we live. Now, the real challenge here is we reap what we sow, okay? We reap what we sow. So if you're a person that says, I never get any grace, ask yourself the question, have you sown any grace? I never see mercy. Nobody loves me. Well, how have you effectively loved other people? Have you openly, honestly demonstrated love to other people? Well, I'm always broke. Well, what have you sown? You see, the thing that we do is the things that we don't like to do we always find a way to defend the things that we don't like to do or want to do. And, and it's very easy. It's our humanity. We're very smart when it comes to dodging responsibility. And, uh, and it's, it's really the, the part of the fall of mankind. And so in Galatians 6.1, one of my favorite passages of Scripture, this is how the Amplified Bible, which brings clearly, expands on uh, Greek and Hebrew words. It says, if any person is overtaken in misconduct or sin of any sort, you who are spiritual, who are responsive to and controlled by the Spirit, should set him right and restore and reinstate him. So the process is to try to put right or righteousness in front of that person restore them, their hope, their faith, their confidence, their credibility, restore them, and then put them back in the place of God's designation. See, that's, that's called Christianity, according to Paul writing to the church at Galatia. Without any sense of superiority and with all gentleness, keeping an attentive, attentive eye on yourself, lest you should be tempted too. So we work to avoid judgment by not being judgmental. Now, I think most drivers in the natural are not good drivers. 
there's really not much effort put forth nowadays. It's just getting from one place to the other. When I was 16, it was an art form. It was called designer driving. I don't know what happened to that era that day. It's like, well, everybody deserves a license. Not if you can't pass the test. And I'm not even sure you have to take one anymore. And if you do, it, I think they're probably highlighting the answers. Those are just the facts, Jack. Last week I opened with justification, sanctification, and I want to keep these words in front of us. And uh, justification is God's declaration that a sinner is righteous through the work of Jesus. Don't forget this. You are righteous through the work of Jesus. Not through your works, not because you're good, not because you do everything right, but through the work of Jesus, once you receive him, the righteousness that was on him, that he was personified, becomes ours. Now, I wish we all acted like him, but that is where sanctification comes in. Sanctification is God's transformation of a believer's whole being, That is, the mind, will, behaviors, affections through the work of the Holy Spirit. Justification is something that God does for us. Sanctification is what God does with us. Justification is by grace through faith, while sanctification is by grace applied in life. Two ways to look at grace. One is grace covers. The other is grace empowers. So some people would argue, well, I believe that Grace empowers us to live a righteous life, and that's what grace is all about. You people who are sloppy gracers say that, that, that it just covers your stupidity or your lack of sanctification. I'm not going with either or. I'm going with both and. I believe it's the power of God once we get born again. The grace is the power to work through us, but when, when it's not working and the valve is shut off, It's the grace that covers us for what we weren't able to do in the process. And so if we understand that, we don't wake up every day wondering, because the denomination I was in, you woke up every day wondering if you were going to heaven. I mean, at the end, there were some days that there was just no way. I thought, if Jesus, don't come back today. Because I ain't even up to it. Don't want you to right now. I got some things I got to deal with, and tomorrow I'll repent. I mean, that's just how we think. That's our natural thought. And I think sometimes my worst days in earth are my best days in Christ because his perfection works through my weakness. His strength works through my weakness, not through my strength. So when I am weak... He is strong. So rather than me trying to achieve something that would impress God, think about that a minute. <laughs> You're going to impress the one who created the galaxies and the stars and the universe, and, but yet we think we can do something so good during the day that God is really impressed. God's really happy with me today. 
He really is. He's really thrilled with me. If he came back today, I'd get a fast pass. I'd pass all the other people going to heaven. I'd be right on track. I'd wave at you on the way by. Because today I was good. This is how we think of Christianity. Based, We think good, bad. Then how come good things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people? Bible says the rain falls on the just and the unjust. Well, what's the difference? People who are just just take a shower. But it falls hard on those who are unjust. We know that the, the rain falling on the just, the, the difficulty, serves to make us clo- grow closer to God. God is glorified when we respond to adversity in faith and trust. God is glorified. Some people in Christianity would say, you've done something and now God's punishing you. God doesn't punish you for being stupid. He knew when you were born you were going to be stupid. (laughs) He called you. He called me knowing my stupidity. He didn't call me to be a preacher because this guy's got it together. He went, he needs help. He needs to be in church every time doors are open. The only way I'm going to get him there is if he has to get up and preach. (laughs) I got to think that's why God called me. He's going to need all the help he can get. And if he knows he's got to stand up in front of all these people and say something redemptive and worthy, he's going to be there. And every now and then I feel that way. It's like, okay, God, don't want to go today, but I am the preacher. And any preacher that tells you he just loves being in church all the time, yeah, I'll let you finish that sentence. See, I'm not judging. You did. I I just let it hang there for a while. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Now, this I won't get through this because this is an interesting study, the judgment of a believer's sin. And there are actually five judgments, and some people just pile them all into one. But there are five different judgments. I'll try to get to those to help us understand that, number one, most important thing is that that those who are saved are not going to, it's not like we're going to get there and Jesus is going to be going, let me see. You spell that with a C or a K? No. When you're born again, you're born again. And that irritates religious people because some born-again people don't act born again. And then what we start doing is, rather than looking at justification, why are they justified, why are they saved, why are they going to heaven, we start looking at how they're acting and saying, there's no way they're going to heaven based on their behavior, but it's not based on your behavior, it's based on your faith in his behavior and what he did. Now, again, I'm not telling you to go out and be stupid. I'm not saying forsake uh, walking and disciplining your life by the Word of God. I'm not saying that. However, the reason the Pharisees kept, took, took the, the Ten Commandments and turned them into over 600 was because they couldn't even keep ten, and so they started making up new commandments to make them feel better about themselves. Well, we don't walk that far on the Sabbath. Jesus could care less how far you walk on the Sabbath. <laughs> but, but they could make a law that they could, they could fulfill themselves, and they worshiped the law that they said so they could fulfill it. And Jesus, God said, here are ten, ten commandments. And get this, how stupid is it to make up 600 more and you can't keep ten? And the reason for that is, is because God's ten really meant something. Man's, man's other 600 were things that we felt like we could do better than anybody else. When I got saved, the very first thing that they did, because I had really long hair, I was Peter Frampton. 
You have to be over 60 to even know who that was. All you young people, just Google him. I'm sure he's on tour somewhere making a million gazillion dollars. Those guys made nothing back in the day when they were doing coke and everything else, and now they're up there. They have no brain cells left, but they remember the lyrics. And so when I got saved, of course, the very first thing that people were going to measure as to whether or not I was saved was based on the length of my hair. I'm telling you the truth. Some of y'all might have grown up in a really cool church. I didn't. Everybody was going to hell unless you drew the right ticket. And I just thought, there's no way I'm going to heaven. There is no way. I knew me. I was a rascal, and that's, I can say that in church. I'd say something else outside of church. But in church, I was a rascal. I, I had fun in life. I was doing my thing. And so I thought there's no way. But then nobody taught on the difference in justification and sanctification. I'm not going to heaven, and neither are you just because you're all that in a bag of chips. You can feed every homeless person in the city. You can meet every need somebody has. And if you don't do it under the auspices or the love of God, you're a clanging symbol. Now, that's what the Bible says. And it might not be perfectly interpreted that way, but listen to me. There's some really mean people who do really good things. And I love that. I think, I think it's awesome. I'm not criticizing it. But the reality is the very first thing that we want to make sure we're right about is where we're going to spend eternity. That's the very most important thing to me because, you know, I mean, whether you live 70, 80, 90, I don't know how long we're going to live. You know, nobody does. But if you think about it, if you're 30, ah, let's go with 40. If you're 40... I'd call that pretty much midlife. But for some reason, every decade, people change midlife to like 60, 70. I'm thinking, you ain't living to be 140, buffoon. <laughs> Nobody wants you to live to be 140. Your great-grandchildren don't like you that much. We're tired of you at 140. I'd be tired of somebody at 92 and a half. I don't even know if I'm going to look in the mirror and like me. Just die, sucker. Die. It's like when somebody says that, it's like, why would you say that? Because I'm going to die sometime, and I'm not scared. Man, I just wish I could hang around. I was, you know, I wish it was like, I wish we could just kind of hang around. You know, it's hover, kind of watch things after we're dead and hear what people say. And then we had the power to smite at least ten. Kind of kidding. Only five. Anyway, the joy of Christianity to me is, is not being a slave to all the things that the world tries to enslave us with. A slave to fear, a doubt, a slave to your opinion, what you think. There will always be people that will send you to hell. Fortunately, they don't have the keys. And, you know, for years, you know, we, we, we use slang language like, you know, when, 
probably one of the rudest things when somebody says go to hell. You know, you think about that. Just let that soak in because it just kind of comes as a, just a slang, mean thing to say. But why would you want anyone to go to hell? There is a hell, by the way. The greatest deception of the devil is to make you believe there isn't. That's the goal is, well, you know, everybody's going to heaven. We're just going different routes. No, this is not Siri. Okay, this is not like the GPS in your car. Well, the fastest route is, <laughs> and the speediest, and the most, you know, I mean, you got about three or four routes sometimes. I'm going, man, she is mixed up. Who puts that stuff in there? I mean, have you ever wondered where that comes from? Like Wikipedia, who sat down and just scanned all this stuff? I mean, you can Google anything now, and it's just amazing. I mean, uh, we were watching a show, Susan and I, the other day, and we Googled this lady because she was on Dallas back in the day, you know. And some of you, every people, if I say you watch Dallas, oh, my gosh, you're going to hell. <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm saying. I mean, people do that. It's based on what you're watching. Like, the blood of Jesus wasn't enough to cover Dallas. So, we Googled one of the stars. I forget her name, but she was one of the, the, the big ones on there. And, and anyway, what, Wikipedia had her, and she's just on a modern-day show. Wikipedia had her 111 years old. I thought, wow. <laughs> if I could look like her at 111, I'll live that long. You know what I'm saying? I'm looking and going, I got more wrinkles than you, and I ain't even close. I said, Susan Googled it, you know, and I went, there is no way. And come to find out, she was 81. But, but see, we, we think the Internet's perfect. You know what I'm saying? Everything's just right. But we all have to realize that, you know, this, is, this thing with Jesus is so awesome and so wonderful that his love is beyond comprehension. His grace is almost unthinkable. His mercy is beyond our ability to imagine. And again, because of that, that, that moment of justification is what gives birth to the work of sanctification. The problem is people get in church they, they sometimes come to Jesus in that, the way of being justified by him. But then it becomes works. And, and rather than remembering the cross and what Jesus did for us and through us, we start thinking about what we're doing for him and through him. And now all of a sudden, I'm going to go to heaven because look at what I've done. I'm not going to heaven because of what I've done. And I don't want to hear one stinking amen. I'm going to heaven because I accepted what he did. And I don't take that lightly. Never have, never will. But mental illness is at an all-time high in our country. It's something we don't talk about. It's something people are embarrassed by, and you should not be embarrassed by it. Do you get embarrassed when you have the flu? No, you usually walk around and sneeze on people. Why are we embarrassed? Because everyone in here has been mentally ill. Now, that'll bless you today. And when I say that, you've had seasons, moments, days, 
where your mind wasn't right. It was foggy. You were depressed. You were not feeling up to speed. You weren't thinking right. That is a minor touch on your brain that is called mental illness. Now, we think of mentally ill people as people who are crazy. Well, you know, there's two ways to look at that. In my opinion, everybody's a little cray-cray. Everybody has moments of cray-cray. And don't elbow your wife and say, you do it more than most. (laughs) But the reality is, we're so quick to judge people and determine their eternal destiny based on how we think they ought to behave. There are literally churches today that judge other congregations, other denominations, and based on their difference in how they believe or how they expect their people to behave, that that church is going to hell. I heard that. Matter of fact, we were the only church going to heaven when I was growing up, which meant that there were going to be a lot of empty homes because we weren't that big. I'm thinking heaven's going to be really boring if it's just us because you folks are boring on earth. I guess where I'm headed with this is can we ease up on the meanness? Can we ease up on the hate? Can we, can we do that? If somebody's not like you, God made us that way. I'm so thankful that we have all different kinds of people because a lot of times in my conversations with people that have a great uh, deal of difference with what I think and believe actually challenged me to think about what I believe. And see, some people say, well, that's risky. No, no. The Bible says that we are searching out our salvation individually, growing in God individually. I, I mean, in this generation, you know what? The kid, I, got, I got kids that are pierced more than Jesus was. Now, it wasn't for the same reason. But there are piercings and tattoos and all. And back in the day, I'm just telling you, my mama told me, if you had a tattoo, you're going straight to hell. I got one. I'm testing it. No, I'm just telling you. And seriously, I mean, I don't know how these kids, and I'm not, I mean, like I said, I got kids. I'm not judging them, but they got all these piercings, you know, they got stuff. And I'm just going, hmm, you're not going to hell, but you sure ain't going to heaven pretty. And you say, well. But see, that's just my opinion, and my opinion is not right. It's just my opinion. But you know what? If I share that opinion with someone who's pierced up, I could hurt them. And the reason they might be pierced up is to get attention or, you know, maybe there's something going on. So it's none of my business. I just look, and, and, you know, why do you have to judge somebody for how they look? But we do that all the time. We measure people by how they look, their color, whatever, and it's just wrong. This is wrong. And, and, and see, when, you, when you're justified by faith and you understand justification and that your sins were forgiven, it, it's not your job to, to, to do anything but share it with other people, the, great, the greatness of God. And so I, I have to be very cautious because I'm like you. I'm human, and, and I, you know, I, I, I love all my kids. I've got more than any one person should ever have. Uh, I'm just kidding. I love them all. It's just... It's a lot. <laughs> and, and, you know, and so you look and you go, well, Susan, I have nine kids and nine grandkids. Christmas is like, you know, if you see us at Walmart, I'm not talking about shopping. I'm talking about handing out flyers. Uh, 
welcome to Wally World. Uh, no, but you know, honestly, it's, it's so absolutely important, especially this time of year. And see, when I see people standing on street corners, some people get mad at them and judge them. I just pray for them. I don't know what they've been through. I don't know what it took for them to get there. And neither do you. You don't have their story. You say, well, I would never do that. Well, does that make you better than them because you would never do that? I don't think so. It just makes you different than them. Do I agree? Do I want to be standing on a corner? No, but I don't know their story. And it's not my job to do anything but love them and pray for them. That's my job. That's our job. And you know what? You're going to find yourself a lot happier if you quit getting mad at people who are different than you, who do things differently than you, who act differently than you. I've learned more from my kids than I did my college professors. I'd ask them questions about stuff. And that's frightening. I went to see a movie with one of my, my oldest son when he was in college. must have been 15 years ago. And there was a little gratuitous verbiage in there. And I'm sitting there with my son, and he's become a man, and so I'm trying to be the dad to the man, you know, not the, the man, the man. And I said, well, well, you know, we're driving away. I thought, how do I approach this conversation? I said, son, what did you think about those gratuitous words? He looked at me, and he said, Dad, who gave definition to them? <laughs> we did. <laughs> I thought I never thought about that before. What's brilliant? You know, and it, because he didn't, he didn't, he he challenged me to think differently because I grew up in in a home where, uh, you know, that was very very strict, and so anybody outside of that strictness, outside of that bubble, I would judge them, and, and you say, "What well, the Bible says?" Well, we want to go Bible bowl right here, because I can tell you, every one of us in here is violating. Something in here. Every one of us. Don't you love coming to a church that points out you're a sloppy sinner? <laughs> I mean, all I'm saying is, and the reason I can laugh about it and enjoy it, it's not because I want to sin, but I am so thankful when I talk this way that the devil goes, I think they've got it. I hate it that they've got it. So we send him down the street to the church that's preaching hellfire and brimstone. <laughs> because the reality is, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But when you understand justification, that we are saved through faith, by putting our faith in him, you go, I love him so much that I just want, I want him to work in me and through me. It's I don't have to anymore. See, it's not like, well, I got to be good. No, you don't have to. You get to. You get to because he's good in you. You get to be strong because he's strong in you. You get to have peace because he's peace in you. Changes everything. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That we are justified because of what you did and putting faith in what you did. And our love for you, God, is so great that we want to glorify you through our actions, through our words. Not so we can be saved, but because we are saved. So, Lord, may we not look to our good works. Rather, may we believe in your good work. 
With every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to pray a prayer that will make a profound difference in your life if you're not saved by praying this prayer, putting your faith in God. Calling on His name, you'll be saved. I want everyone to pray this with me, those of you watching online as well. Pray this with me. Say, Father God, thank you so much for sending your only Son to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. I repent of my sin. Today I'm saved because of your good work, not my good works. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, I want you to text the word SAVED to 405-500-1310. Text the word SAVED to 405-500-1310. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Crow. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. We hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. or join us online. God bless you.